0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sun, and we thank you that in a world full of darkness, a world where terror strikes, where churches are attacked, that you have overcome the first evil, and that is sin, and that we, a people who are separated from you, Father, have been brought near because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because he died for us, he has destroyed the first enemy. And now we await for his second coming, when he will destroy the last enemy. When he will heal this land and justice will rule, when equity will rule, and when the language of this earth will be love. And so, Father, as we wait in this cryptic interim, we ask that you would help us to be the people of light. We would ask that you would help us to be a people radically devoted to you and radically devoted to acts of kindness and love, following the steps of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in this world. So help us, Father, to rejoice. Teach us, Father, how to overcome fears, anxieties, and grow in likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's come. He's coming again. And we wait like children before Christmas. We wait with great anticipation for the peacemaker to come. We thank you. Give us patience and diligence in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take the book and let's go to Luke chapter one. And we're in our second week of a series I'm calling Fear Nots for the Have Nots. Fear Nots for the Have Nots. And if you miss, Any of these weeks or you missed last week, please please go on our website, download these sermons. I think they'll be a great help to you. Um, I do believe God has put this series on my heart for one of you, for two of you, for tons of you. Um, This is not always an easy season, so I want you to take this in. And uh, if you have not in any capacity at all, if you're struggling in any capacity whatsoever this Christmas, I want Jesus to speak to you on how you don't have to fear, but you can conquer uh, this Christmas. How does that sound? So this is my easy way of weaseling out of getting anybody gifts for Christmas. This is my gift to you for Christmas. This, this sermon, this series, uh, to make your season bright and beautiful. Luke 1, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and grab one in front of you. Uh, if you have a phone, make sure you, you go to a Bible app. Facebook has nothing to say right now for the next 40 minutes, but the Bible does. Fear nots for the have-nots. Fear nots for the have-nots. We were the have-nots for years in our family. Uh, Christmas was not a good time for us, and uh, there was plenty to fear. And so coming on the other end, I want to share with you what Jesus has done in my life to destroy fear in so many ways and help us to celebrate. Um, First of all, Christmas seems to be an amazing time of year, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I woke up this morning at uh, 5.30, and it felt like winter finally. I went outside and it was a cool 40-something degrees, like 49 degrees. Uh, the clouds were that wintry look, you know, I'm, you know what I'm talking about? And there was a subtle blanket of, well, dew. We're working on the snow thing, but that's okay, we'll take it, we're in Daly City. But it felt like Christmas and it was a beautiful feeling and we've got a tree in our living room and it's, well, it's a $20 Target tree, but if you put enough ornaments on it, you can't tell. I'm loving the Christmas season. Too much eggnog. My first stop this morning was my wife and I went down to Starbucks, walked down to Starbucks at the Westlake Mall, got myself a cinnamon, a cinnamon something. No clue. It was like a milkshake, but you got to take it in. It's a beautiful time of year. Our neighborhood is starting to be decorated and uh, well, mean people actually are nice for a little while this time of year. I love this time of year. It is, we're told, the most wonderful time of the year. And there's a culture of Christmas that is almost, in a nauseating way, happy. It is a happy time. Uh, People smiling and people taking up collections for the the have-nots, and things are actually on sale, and people are buzzing around, hopefully with joy. But for many, guys, in reality, for many, the Christmas joy can do something weird to you. It can mess with your head a little bit. It can... I don't know, it can kind of exaggerate what's kind of hidden the rest of the year. With all of this joy, it can remind you of what you don't have. How many of you are with me on that? I mean, if you don't have family in the area, and you know, all the stuff about uh, um, the family gathering around, and like mistletoes, and like nuts, and fireplaces, and sleds. I mean, who lives like that anyway, Right? Uh, but it looks really good and it sounds really good, but it has a way of kind of exaggerating the fact that, you know, maybe you don't have family around. Uh, maybe you won't be able to spend Christmas with family or you, you hear these songs in, in the mall or whatever if you're brave enough to go to the mall. And, and you hear these songs about buying gifts and exchanging gifts and, and the loved ones and the mistletoes and the kissing and, you know, maybe you're divorced. Or maybe you don't have the funds to buy uh, presents. I was uh, uh, texting with a Uh, A person uh, yesterday and talking about gifts and they just dropped a bomb on me. You know, they said, I I can't afford to buy anything this year. So this has a way of kind of bringing some things out. For many, and I, I actually think for many, if not most, the Christmas season can be hard. And maybe for you, Maybe life isn't exactly playing out the way that you thought it would. Maybe the script that you had in your mind's eye as you were growing up, as you look back, and you're like, how did we even get here? And, and how did my life get to this place? Maybe that's your reality. Life can do that. And when you take the Christmas joy, which, you know, at times can seem kind of fabricated and false in this kind of perfect, wonderful life, and you look at your own story, sometimes for many people, this can create a lot of fear. Maybe the Christmas season, maybe the thought of you even getting together with other families is creating some fear, and I think it's fear of the unknown, fear of the unknown. Now, if we were to just throw out pride, and I don't really care what anybody thinks this morning, if we were to just go there for a minute, how many of you guys fear at some level something that is unknown? We heard the testimonies, didn't we? We heard the testimonies uh, around Thanksgiving. Um, people like Phil talking about uh, the job loss and people talking about the loss of a baby and all of these things. Um, there's, there's fearful things, even good things that, that happen. You know, we, weddings and trips and, and new jobs. And some of you are in finals right now. Man, we need to pray for you guys. These things can create a, a fear of the unknown. It's scary things when things are changing in your life. And here's the problem with fear. And this is why we're calling this series, Fear Nots for the Have Nots. Here's the problem with fear. I was thinking about fear uh, this week and my fears in my own life. Why do I struggle with fear? And and why does fear do the things it does in my head? And maybe you write this stuff down. Here's the problem with fear. Uh, Follow me here, guys. The problem with fear is that it's based on perception. You're afraid of something that is unknown to you, something that's coming. Uh, maybe it's the loss of a job, maybe it's finals, maybe you've got to actually go to an in-laws for Christmas, and they like hate you or whatever, and you're like, man, what is this going to do to me? Or maybe something good is, is hit you to- totally unexpected, and you know it's good, but you're kind of freaking out because it's just new and unknown. And so you're afraid, and you uh, what we do when we go into these elements of fear, when we don't know what the future holds, is we begin, we begin to perceive, we begin to think about different scenarios that are going to potentially happen with the unknown. And what we do is we don't, we don't go like this. Okay, I don't know what the future holds. I'm unemployed. I have no clue what's going to happen. Or I don't know what the future holds with whatever, and I'm a little bit afraid. We don't go like this, but no doubt this is going to happen, and it's good. How do we perceive the future, the unknown? We buy in to the worst possible scenario. Are you with me on that? Absolutely. We we think to ourselves, oh, the worst thing is going to happen here. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And here's why we do it. I I think by instinct, we're trying to be survivalist or whatever. And we say, okay, if I think about, as I think of the unknown and I'm terrified, I don't know what's going to happen in my life. If I think about the worst possible scenario and I create a plan and I get ready for that, if it happens, I'll be ready to cope with it and deal with it. Most of the time, it never happens. And we spend that season ruining a place that should be filled with joy. We give fear incredible power over us when we perceive the worst that could happen in these unknown situations. Fear is an enemy. It's a thief. It robs us of our joy in life. And guys, God has designed you to to live an absolutely amazing life of freedom and power and faith. So whatever you're going through, Whatever the, you're going through this Christmas, and you know that you're going to go without, or you don't know what the future holds, and you're kind of reading into it, and you're creating these scenarios. You know, uh, the old saying, you're making the molehill into a mountain, and you're just reading into the saying, and, and you're kind of bracing yourself. I know this is going to happen. I know this is going to happen. Here's what God wants to do God wants to take that situation as He is the author of the unknown, and He wants to. He wants to grab a hold of your fear of the unknown and all the scenarios you're creating in your head, and he wants to wipe them away, and he wants to replace it with faith and hope and power and belief in his goodness so you can go on in the unknown with power and joy. How's that sound? Come on, that's an amen moment right there. That's what God wants to do. Actually, this is the real Christmas story. Um, I'm rather bothered at the way Christianity is portrayed. Christianity is messy business. And when we see the nativity scene, it's so, it's so clean and nice. It's so polished. And we see, you know, baby Jesus. And, you know, it's, it's so polished and, and perfect. And that's not the way the thing went down. When we think of Mary, she's in stained glass with Joseph. And she's fantastic. And she's, she's almost Deity. Well, let me show you the real Christmas story because the real Christmas story is so messy and broken. It is, so, uh, it is so sloppy and full of fear that I think if we look at it through the right lens, you'll see yourself right in the middle of the Christmas story and find tons of hope and faith in these people. So last week, what we did is we looked at Joseph as we're looking at Joseph and Mary in the first Christmas. We looked at Joseph and we just saw how how terrible his Christmas was, but how God worked through it and brought him to new and fresh places. So, what I want to do today is I want to look at Mary through the, Chris, the first Christmas story, and I want you to see just how hard it was for her, but what God did in her life. Does that sound fair? So, let's meet Mary. Go there with me. Maybe it's evening. Ah, uh, Middle East. Maybe it's cold. She's in a house. See it. She's in a house. She lives with her parents, no doubt. She's a young Jewish girl. Her culture's a little weird compared to ours. Um, she's engaged, but, uh, but this is an appointed engagement. Uh, her parents met with other parents, and they... They picked her spouse. Did they do that with you, Jeff? <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. It's a sweet time, though. Mary, if she is 16 or 17 years old, maybe she's in her own bedroom, and maybe she's sitting on a makeshift bed, and and maybe she's alone in that room as she looks out the windows, and she can see the stars, and, and she knows she's very close to the wedding day, and it's going to be a grand celebration, and... She knows dad has filled out all the scrolls and sent them out to family, and there's going to be a great celebration. And while she doesn't really know her, we'll call him fiance, she's starting to fall in love with him. It's Joseph. She's learning to love this man, and she's excited about it like any young lady would, and and she's beginning to think about what it would be like to start a family, and and uh, growing up, maybe in some, somewhat of a, a poverty-stricken area, maybe she's poor and thinking that she's entering this new time. And you can see her just with legs hanging over the bed, just excited as a young girl. She's going to get married, you guys. It's the most wonderful time. She's visualizing it. She's probably giggling. She's probably praying to God when her heart rate finally slows down and saying, thank you so much, God. This is amazing. This is amazing. A joyous engagement is what we can call it. And then Luke chapter 1, verse 26, as she has legs over the end of the bed, maybe staring at a dress she's going to wear, heart rate, joy, visualizing the party, sun is set, stars are out, chill in the air, what a time. And then 126. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed or pledged or engaged, that's our girl. That's our Mary. She's engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So he's even got a strong lineage. I mean, our girl is even marrying into a strong family. It is a dream come true for this peasant girl. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, verse 27, Luke decides to tell us twice that she's a virgin. Because we're about to enter a really bad problem. Verse 28 And he, that's the angel, came to her and said, and I told you this last week, there's almost a comical side to this on this side of reality. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. Now, right there, Mary's got to be thinking, this can't get any better. I'm I'm being visited by an angel and that wasn't an everyday thing. She was probably terrified at the sight of the angel. He says, greetings. Okay, so there's this this peace offering between Mary and this angel Angelic messenger, and then he calls her oh favored one. Because after all, guys, isn't Christianity insulation from, from wrong? Insulation from problems? Oh favored one? What a way to be, what a way to be greeted by a messenger of Almighty God. And then the angel goes on to say, the Lord is with you. My soul. Laced in this wedding is the protection of God, the blessing of God. Her heart rate rises even more. Maybe she glances to the door to see if her parents are bursting in. Can they see the light? Is the light pouring out into the, into the street through the windows? Can anybody else see this angel? Is this a private experience with Mary? Does she fall to her knees like John in Revelation and try to worship this thing just in utter confusion and awe? But then something hit in 29. She was greatly troubled at the saying. What saying? Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She's terrified. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. In other words, let me help you guys with something. Here's what Mary knew. Because Mary knew about the stories of people like Abraham. She knew that when angels show up, favored or not, when God works, it makes no sense most of the time. All right, all right. I've got an angelic being sitting in my bedroom All is well in my life, but I know enough about God through the stories passed down, through the prophets, and through Abraham, and through Moses, that I know God is about to do something, and it's probably going to disrupt my life. And after all, in verse 30, the angel has to tell her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. She's not necessarily scared of the angel because the angel reminds you you're in God's favor, which means she's scared of the plan. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now right there, something's not sitting right, because sons were named after their father, and the angel doesn't say, hey, you're going to conceive in your womb through Joseph, you're going to have a boy, and you're going to call his name Joseph. That would have been perfect. Jesus. Joshua. Savior. Favor? Right away, Mary's mind starts twisting. What about her life? And by the way, most people think this was a sweet story, and, uh, and everyone thinks that the virgin birth was told through prophecy in the Old Testament, so this was cool. Everyone was cool. They knew this was coming. No, they didn't know that. Uh, they thought... They thought the Messiah was coming as a king, not born into the world. 32, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. So the plan starts hitting her. Okay, this is the one who we've been waiting for, but why, why is he going to come this way? And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no ends. And naturally, Mary says in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, time out. What are you talking about? Does your Bible say that? (laughs) And it clicks immediately since I'm a virgin. And here's what she's saying She's saying back to this angel, This is going to create some problems. This is going to create some social problems and some theological problems. How do I explain this? Now, here's my question for you guys. Why in the world did God choose to come this way? I mean, he is busting this girl's life up. Something is about to happen to Mary between Luke chapter 1 and verse 34 and Luke chapter 1 and verse 49. That's gonna answer this question and it's not only gonna answer this question, it's gonna gonna answer the question so powerfully that her fear of the unknown and the future is actually gonna be crushed by something. She's gonna get up and in faith, she's gonna take steps forward and she's she's gonna trust God and follow God and she's gonna be all right in this thing. And what I wanna do is I want that to transfer to you. What did Mary do to take this cryptic, odd, unknown plan of God that was really freaking her out um, when she's thinking about the future and the unknown? What did God do? What did God say to her that caused that to just be shattered as it collided against something pegged between, oh, 134 and 149? What happened right there? Two things happened. I'm gonna give them to you. Write them down. If you, if you are here and you are you are fearful of the future, these are your two things. This this is what you need to hear. And when you hear them, and if you practice these things, I promise you, in light of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will sing the song like Mary did at the end of your trial. So here we go. Two things. What did Mary do? What did God do to Mary? to drive this fear out of the unknown so she could walk with boldness and confidence and her fear could turn to faith and she could tackle life head on and walk right into the unknown. Well, the first thing is this. Write this down. Put it in your phone, something like that. Here's what Mary does, and it's just brilliant and all of us can do this if if we're facing the unknown and we're full of fear. She allowed the promises of God to speak to her. Write it down. She allowed the promises of God to speak to her. Now, she's got a message from God. It makes almost no sense. And it's messing with her head and she's terrified. The promises of God are going to crash into that and they're going to heal her. They're going to turn fear into faith. Look at Luke one thirty four one more time. So let's peg this verse down. Here's the problem. Here's the scenario. Here's what's going on in that bedroom. Mary said to the angel... How will this be since I am a virgin? Now, let me work this out a little bit. She's resisting God. Can I just say that? I mean, can we make Mary human again? She is resisting God right there. She is questioning God, and she's resisting God. Now, let me work this out a little bit, because I think God is totally okay with, with what Mary just did right there. But when it comes to following Jesus, let me, let me help some of you guys, because I think you've been taught incorrectly in certain ways. When it comes to following Jesus, the hardest thing to give is in yeah you guys are totally bored right now you're thinking one of the two the hardest thing to give is in you know when God is pressing you you know when God is trying to do something you know when that unknown is happening and you know it's from God but the hardest thing to give is in especially when you don't understand the plan and here's why Mary box in verse 34. And I want you to get this. Mary is about to become a second-class citizen within her society if she follows God's plan. You want to see it? Let's go to John chapter 8. Let me show you what happened to Mary because of this. And this explains Luke 1.34 and why she goes, Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't like that. I don't like this plan. She knew exactly what was going to happen to her life. Look at John 8. And look at verse 41. Now, we're about 33 years in the future right now in John 8. And here's what's going on. Jesus Christ has been born. And he is traveling the land and he is fighting with the religious rulers. And uh, he begins to have this debate that God is not their father. He says, God is not your guys' father. If God was your father, you would do the works of God. You would love people. You would quit beating people down with your religious power. And so they, they have this great debate and Jesus is whooping them and everything else and then they, they pull out this one right here. They, they, they hit him with a low blow. Jesus goes like this in 841. You are doing the works of, that your father did. You know who he's saying their father is? Satan. Nice. They said to him, now think of, think of Luke 134. Wait a minute. If I'm a virgin and I have a baby, my life is going down, God. Here's what they say to Jesus. They said to him, here's their comeback. We were not born of sexual immorality. What are they saying right there? Your mother was sexually immoral and had you. That's what Mary lived with. Go back to Luke chapter 1. So when you read Luke 1.34 and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She knows exactly what's about to go down. And that's often what happens with us, isn't it? Like we know God's about to do this thing, but it's like, okay, if I forgive that person or, or if I don't do this, but I do this, man, what's gonna happen to me if I, if I give up that life right there? I know I'm supposed to take this, this step of faith, but I'm gonna have to give up all of this. And man, I don't know what that's gonna do to me. That's, that's a terrifying thing. And here's what God is asking Mary with patience and grace. And if, if you're in this place of unknown, guys, here's what God is asking you with patience and grace, and he's working with you, and he's trying to get you to trust him. God wants Mary to give up the right to determine for herself the best way for her to live. And that is really, really hard. It can feel like an all-out war on your dreams, can it? but if you really want to experience God in the fullness of his power, you have to surrender to him. You have to give up control of your life, and you have to drop the conditions. (laughs) Isn't that it? I put conditions on God. I say, look, I will do this, God, but look, here's the deal. You got to do this. All right, I know you're doing this thing, and I, I don't really understand it. I'll take a step forward. I'll let go of part of this, but I need you to give this right here. And God is saying, no conditions here, Mary. Full faith, full trust. I got to get you to let go and trust me. I know it's going to look pretty crazy to you as you think about what's going to happen to your life, but you're going to have to trust me. God, I need more than that, though. Yes. Yes, Mary, you do need more than that. And the first thing I want us to notice in 134, and some of you guys need to eat this and drink this with joy. The first thing you gotta get is that Mary expresses her doubt openly. She completely says, I don't get this, God. Do you know we almost see that as an error? Yeah? Doubting God? Do you know there is a proper doubt in God? Because we're human beings? Uh, and God completely accepts that. He, he realizes that we are but dust and, and, and we don't understand this thing. And he goes, look, I get it, I get it, I get it. Man, some of, you know what some of you guys need to do this Christmas? You need, to, you need to take your doubts to God. Like, God, I don't get this. I don't get this. But the worst thing you can do is keep walking into the unknown as if that is wrong or, or whatever it is. Because you'll get the wrong view of God. Just take it back to God like Mary does in 134. She does not waste a second. She goes, God, whoa, 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 whoa. Talk more, please. I don't get this. I'm, I'm scared right now. And I really think that's part of our problem in facing the unknown when dealing with God's plans in our lives. We don't think there's any room for doubt. See the scene. See 134. There she is. She's, she's frozen. It's Mary. She's fearful of the unknown future And then the angel says something to her that absolutely crushes her fear. And this is what I want you to get. Fear can only exist because of perception. It can only exist because of what we think is going to happen. And what we need is something to crash in and rearrange our perception of what really may happen. And because I'm locked into my own head, I I can't just conjure up this idea that, okay, maybe maybe this will work out. Mary could not sit there and just go, okay, let let me just create another scenario that my life is not going to be destroyed by this. No, maybe this will work out. It's not the glad game. What God does is he sends a new perceptive message into her mind and says, let me collide with your thought and watch my thought take over. Here's what you can bank on in the unknown future. Luke 1.37, I love this. I've been, I've been uh, meditating on this all week. Here's, here's what the angel says to her. She says in verse 34, how will this be since I'm a virgin? What is this going to do with my life? What is this going to do to my parents? What is this going to do to my reputation? I have an honor culture. He goes like this in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. In other words, she lets God speak hope into her fear. And I don't know about you, but the first thing I do when I'm facing the unknown and I'm going to that place is I I don't let God speak to me. I I, I hardly speak to God. I speak to myself. I speak to myself. I tell myself the worst possible scenarios. And what we got to do is allow God to speak these types of promises into our lives, into our unknowns, into our fears. Mary, everything is possible with God. It's literally hearing his word that rearranged her perception. And actually, nothing will be impossible with God is a really good argument. Because here's what Mary had to realize there is not a single place in Mary's life where Mary could see that God had failed her or her people. Not one single place. Listen to me, guys. Listen to me. Not one place. And so here's, here's the exercise I'm challenging you to do. If you're in a place like Mary, where you know this Christmas, God is pulling you into the unknown, and it's terrifying you, I want you to allow God to, to kind of combat these ideas and these fears and these problems by allowing Him to ask you this question, have I failed in your life one time and in one place? And if the answer is no, because he is a perfect and wise and loving God, then you can take a step of faith and boldness into the unknown, 138. Nothing will be impossible with God, Mary. God has never failed you. He will not let you down now. And all of a sudden, something clicks with Mary. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It's as, it's as if something clicked in verse 38, like something just snapped right there. Yeah, why am I questioning God? Let me look at my life. Let me look at my history. Let, let me look at my past. Look at how many times God has come through over and over again. He's not gonna, he's not gonna let me down now and, and that's all I need. I need just enough of that right now to take that next step. You get it? Stay in God's word this Christmas. If you, got, if you have nowhere to be on Christmas, be here and hear God's word. Open the scripture, make room in this busyness we call Christmas season for God's word. Get together and speak God's word to each other. You need to hear this message over and over again that God will not fail you, he's never failed you, go forward in faith. And like Mary, you stand up and you go boldly forward. Well, there's a second thing she does. And this is a little bit of a plug, so I'm going to give it to you. Mary stays in the company of strong believers. She stays in the company of strong believers. Let's talk a little bit about fear and isolation. I got a few minutes here. Luke 1 39. In those days, Mary arose, and she goes with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. Where's she going? and she, verse 40, entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So she goes, and she's with family. She takes off, and she's with family. Now, why does she do that? Here's why. When Mary knocks on that door, when she climbs out her window that night, or whatever it is, or, or when she sneaks off, or maybe she starts feeling a little morning sickness, and she realizes this is not, this is not good right now. I better get out of here. i Someone is going to find out that I am pregnant. I still don't know how to deal with this. And she takes off to her cousin's house. Why? Well, I can't imagine it went anything less than this. When Mary knocks on that door, knowing that her cousin is pregnant, Mary's heart had to explode with hope and joy in the middle of all of that chaos when she allowed another believer to share her journey and see that somebody just like her went through the same thing and is victorious. You see, Mary hearing about what God is doing in Elizabeth's life gave her tremendous strength in her own life. And what I'm saying is this. Fear wants you isolated. The unknown wants to isolate you. If it isolates you, it's got you. Whatever you're facing right now, if you stay isolated, trapped in this thing we call our head, in our own thoughts, I promise you it's going to have its way with you. You need God speaking His absolute sovereign grace into you that I have never failed you, I never will. And you're going to have to get around people who can help you renew that thought and who have been through the same things. We are a community of believers. Verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And as Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. All of a sudden this pregnant lady tells this other pregnant lady, man, this is gonna end really well for us. I'm like like months ahead of you and God's doing some powerful stuff. I went through the same thing. Minus the Messiah thing. Verse 43, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth is saying, you're blessed, Mary, you're blessed. And she's hearing it from an outside voice and someone who's been through the same thing. And Mary's going, wow, you understand this? And it worked out for you? Yeah, it worked out for me. Man, we're gonna, we're gonna stay strong together. We're gonna speak truth to each other and, and hope. And then verse 44, behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb, leaped for joy. We can celebrate this. God's in this thing. But she only got there when another believer spoke it into her life. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Her faith is made strong when Elizabeth comes right alongside her, kind of grabs a hold of her and says, young lady, look, man, I'm an old woman and look, I'm going through the same thing and God's working. He's gonna work in your life. It's gonna, it's gonna work out. Fear wants you isolated in your own thoughts, but God wants you around strong believers to speak God's hope into your minds. Guys, can I tell you, can I encourage some of you this Christmas? Surround yourself with hopeful Christians who understand your story and allow them to speak God's promises into your mind and heart this Christmas. This is why it concerns me that we peel off from the Christian community more in the Christmas season. I want to assemble more. We need each other. Uh, Which means we need some Elizabeths. We need some people who have been through the rough times, the unknown times, to find the Marys and say, What are you doing this season? I want you to come with me. I want you to come around me. I want to help you through this. I want to speak to you. I want to keep you hopeful. Some of you have been through a lot and this is a great season to invest in the Marys who are going into the unknown for the first time. And if you've gone through these things, if you've gone through the trials, find the have-nots and tell them to fear not. Our house is open Christmas night. (laughs) Like, we're just like, what are we doing for Christmas? And we're like, Maybe we should open our doors. And if anybody is fearful, alone, living without, 4.30, dinner on us, laughter, joy, a whole lot of Jesus. Speaking truth to each other, going out the back door of Christmas full of hope and life and joy. If you are full of fear and you do not know what to do, 4.30, Christmas evening, our house. And guys, I promise you, if you will let God speak into your life, speak into your mind, speak into your heart, and remind you that he's never failed you, so the unknown, the fearful, he will not fail you now, and you surround yourself with believers who've been through these things. If we follow these things together, I can promise you that God will give us a new song this Christmas. Because somewhere in a back room or outside, when the stars were bright, Mary left that house and took a little walk, and she was able and empowered as her fear was turned to faith to sing this song: "My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Amen. For He has looked on the humblest estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, I now know that all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty, oh, he has not ruined my life. He has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Let's pray together. Well, here we are before the Lord. And I think it would be powerful if we'd take a few minutes this morning in whatever fears you may have this Christmas. Let the words of the angel come colliding into your fear. Has he ever failed you before? I know the future is unknown. But if he's never failed you before, he will not fail you now. Speak that to yourself. Pray that God would remind you of that message. and May you sing Mary's song. The magnificence. The Lord is going to do great things to you. maybe you're blessed to God maybe you have family maybe everything's right in your life why don't you be in Elizabeth there's someone in this room who needs you there'd be no greater way to spend this Christmas than like Elizabeth you taking them in and you telling them I've been through it and God is faithful let me help you rejoice invest in someone this Christmas and if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ maybe life is is really crazy for you right now maybe the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to get your attention to show you a better way of life a greater joy a greater purpose he tends to crash land into people's lives who are minding their own business to show them a better way Maybe it's time to run a new race with him. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, the great Christmas this would be. The best way you know how, sitting where you sit, in the quietness of your hearts, why don't you turn from running from him? Why don't you turn to him in your heart? Why don't you tell him you believe in him? Why don't you ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you? And start a new journey with new joy and purpose. I pray you do that this morning. Right now. Lord Jesus, save me. Something like that. Lord Jesus, save me. I believe in you. pray that some of you would step out this Christmas in faith. Big, big, risky faith. Fear not, for we have the greatest thing, the Lord Jesus. And if God Almighty has given us the greatest thing in the Lord Jesus, will He not also give you the lesser as you go into the unknown? Take an inventory and believe he's never failed you. It's always come together. It will this time too. Rejoice with strength this Christmas.